0: Dusty in here. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for joining us tonight in the Creepy Pasta Book Club, the podcast where we read, analyze, and discuss significant creepypastas, no sleeps, and web horror flash fiction. We are your hosts, Jonah. And Wednesday. And today, we are discussing crime scenes and hoarder houses. A hazmat cleaner assigned to a hoarder suicide house marvels at the state of the place. They're used to the typical clutter of hoarder houses, but this one is different. After clearing out the mess at the front of the house, they find that the bedrooms are pristine. In the offices, the dead woman kept taxidermy specimens of strange, unnatural creatures. The office walls are covered in paintings. One in particular catches their eye, depicting a fantastical moonlit forest and a watchful guardian. Suddenly... The painting comes to life, as though they are looking through a doorway into another world. They return the next day and investigate the bedrooms. One of them was occupied overnight, and whoever broke in left a giant brown coat, sprouting little leaves. Their boss, Kurt, comes in and says that the taxidermy is fake. The old woman worked for a circus. But they do need to get all this stuff appraised. Kurt is alerted to the painting, and he decides to go exploring. Inside is an alien winter forest. And off a nearby ridge, a labyrinth and a pyramid. At the top is a tall, pale figure, faced the sky. They hurry back out of the cold, and they and Kurt arrange to take these paintings off the company manifests so they can explore them for themselves. Kurt develops an odd allergic reaction as they peel up the carpets. The cleaner finishes pulling up the carpet the next day, but Kurt still hasn't arrived by the time they finish. They check the bedroom with the fur coat, and the entire room is covered in thorny vines, sprouting from the coat on the bed. They peel back the vines, and as the coat sloughs apart in their hands, a skull emerges from inside. This was very recently a living creature. In the office, the taxidermy animals have been arranged around the painting, and the guardian is back. They sprint out, and are confronted by a neighbor, who wonders why her neighbor would have hired a serious cleaning company like theirs when he hasn't had any trouble. Confused and anxious, they head to Kurt's house. He sits naked in the middle of the room, his body covered in thousands of tiny holes from which jelly-eye things sprout. The cleaner tries to get away, hoping to find more information about the woman and what exactly is going on, but Kurt confesses that the former owner was his wife, Evie, and they split several years ago. Last year she came to him looking thirty years younger than she should, and after that her house was permanently in flux, replaced by different houses every time he came by, until she died, and it reverted back to its original state. The paintings and taxidermy are more recent additions to the house, coming after Evie's death, and Kurt attributes the strangeness to the circus, an interdimensional agora which Evie served with her house as the meeting place. Kurt sends them home, and tells them he'll be in contact. But by midnight still no word from Kurt. A strange woman comes to their door and tells Chris—their name is Chris—that Kurt is at the circus and in danger. She puts them under a kind of spell and convinces them to drive her to the house. She sends them into the vine room, and they step on one of the thorns, puncturing their suit. There is a sort of horrible wolf-cow man which attacks them, driving them into the painting room and eventually into the painting, now focused on the labyrinth in summer. They wander through the labyrinth before the pyramid, pursued by the beast, and over the threshold of the pyramid they are finally caught. Just as the beast goes for the killing blow, they are saved by the Guardian, giant, pale, and inhumanly beautiful. He sucks the poison from Chris's wound, and they faint. They waken and scramble back to the human world, back to Kurt, who has duplicated himself with the power of the jelly-eye parasite, one body controlling the other, and is now manic with power. Chris talks him into sleeping. In Kurt's closet they find a shrine of bones and vines, the remains of the real Evie. He explains that Evie had known about circuses all her life, that she had been adopted as a child by a woman who used human sacrifices to run a circus. On her deathbed, she bequeathed it to Evie. Evie left Kurt and struggled to manage the circus alone, but when her parasite double took over, Kurt was unable to find the real Evie, and the only way to get to her house without it being in flux was to follow the parasite. Kurt one day found Evie dead and brought her bones back, but in reality she is still trapped in the painting and she gave Kurt the parasites to help him revive her. The god of the pyramid chooses who gets to be resurrected, and she is being kept there as its pet instead, so its only recourse is to bribe the pale guardian, who can grant life without the god's will. They will give one body to the god and one to the guardian. The catch is that one of those bodies has to come from Chris, who has been poisoned with parasites from the tea he served them. Kurt throws them in the closet and lets Chris stew up a new doppelganger, an especially agonizing process for Chris, who has actually swallowed the parasites. By nightfall, Chris has a parasite self, and they drive back to the circus, which is now overgrown into the rest of the house. One of the taxidermy creatures, now talking and walking, kills Chris's doppelganger and tells them that the door of madness has been closed in their mind by the guardian. Now they must return to him to be cleansed. Kurt has been utterly consumed by the vines and will kill them for this betrayal. Chris runs through the painting, and towards the pyramid, animals fleeing past them. They make their way into the chamber and collapse, overcome by the parasites within, pushing out through their mouth. Again, the guardian finds them, and heals them with a kiss. When they wake, the guardian is dead beside them, a mound of soft flowers erupting from his body. Kurt arrives. The vines have twisted him into a complete monstrosity, his mind gone. But just as Kurt prepares to lunge at Chris, the Guardian springs back to life, tearing the core of the parasite from Kurt's throat. Chris escapes in the midst of the battle and returns home, skin impossibly pale and healed. The painting appears in their house, propped beside their bed, and behind the Guardian, Kurt still lurks. They plan to burn the doorway and put an end to this madness for good. So what do we think? Well, first, welcome welcome back from summer break. <laughs> Yeah, how been a little while? I had COVID. Yeah, I'm still recovering.
1: Op, I'm gonna be real with you. This was nonsense soup.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is kind of soup, isn't it?
1: I th- I said this like earlier when we were talking, just like about it. This story has an inherent like liquid
0: quality to it, it's just like rolling right off the brain. <laughs> I was complaining about having to do the reading because like, it's been so long that I'm like sort of out of shape on how to do this and how to do my notes yeah. in the summary. <laughs> <laughs> how do I read this? And also I wanted to watch Rule of Rose. Oh yeah, how are you liking it so far? I, have, I don't know how I feel about Rule of Rose so far. I'm intrigued by it, but it is also mm-hmm. like the people that I'm watching playing it are not good at it and are a yeah. little frustrating to watch. And are, like, not taking the game seriously. <laughs> yet to invent a good Let's Player.
1: I'll link you to a Let's Play, that's okay. Like, I don't okay. want to drop their name because they're not... I don't endorse everything they do, but they did play Rule of
0: Rose, so... Because <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this story when we were doing Vox and Bow, Which, by the way, follow up from that conversation, it turns out I actually created my Bow character... Before I read Vox and Bo by, by like six months or something. Huge win for Bo is Real. But, like, this always puts me in mind of Vox and Bo, because mm-hmm. it feels like they are trying to capture the energy of Vox and Bo, like, the sort of, like, whimsical, dark dream kind of quality. Yeah. And there are aspects of the story that I that like, hit there, but it is soup. Like, it is just nonsense when you read like, it. You're like, oh, wow. You did not know where you were going with this. You were making this up as you yeah, go along.
1: It, it definitely feels like that. There's, like, moments where I was like, wow, if this was, like, a movie made in, like, 1987, this would be, like, iconic. Like, <laughs> there's just certain scenes that just, like, hit so well there. Like, the part where, like, he wa- they walk in on, like, Kurt being all naked and, like, shining with sweat and, like, the light, that <laughs> was, like, that scene would be, like, jiffed all over, like, the internet and stuff. That'd be, like, the scene people
0: make posters of, you know? It is visually striking throughout. Like the author, Bean has a very good sense of line by line prose that is like readable in that sort of like Stephen Kingy kind of way. Yeah, where it's like yeah. it's not excessively challenging. You can just sort of like clip along and read it. Her problem seems to be the continuity. Of these yeah. lines together, like <laughs> it does have like
1: that quality of like uh, like a Stephen King or like a, a Clive Barker like short story, where they're really good like scene writers, but not as strong as like threading the plot together
0: writers. I have actually never read Clive Barker, but like that is a thing that Stephen King is kind of known for is that like. His stuff is enjoyable to read, like, it feels good when you read it, but it is kind of like, what are you fucking talking about? It's why his endings are notoriously really bad, because he doesn't know where he's going with it.
1: Yeah, it does feel very, like, pants, as the kids say, the story. Yeah.
0: You will get revelation by revelation that do not make sense. It feels like mm-hmm. things being actively retcon every time we learn more information. And it feels
1: really bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird thing to do in this space. There's weirdly enough or whatever, there's like more wiggle room for it in like a short story to write like this than there is on like an internet space where you're supposed to be like a guy, you know?
0: Yeah, in like a first person, like, because the premise of No Sleep, this is posted on No Sleep, is that like you're allowed to post third person everything that appears on no sleep is supposed to have been like diegetically posted on Mm -hmm. no sleep as though no sleep is like a forum for people to share their actual paranormal or horrific experiences there's a thing that happens in the
1: story where we start and he's doing like a they're they're doing like a um (laughs) update by update as this happens to me and then like switches over to like this has already happened to me and like the story doesn't work when you do that and it's like (laughs) it's fine for this thing that we have because it exists as it does but like if your story was planned and you were doing this i think you would lead in with like hey do you know what circuses are and then like go in with that you know the back end has the quality of like i'm tricking you i'm leading you into like this universe to expand like a victim pool right Plus, nothing to do with anything that happened prior because it's being updated like diary style. I mean,
0: I don't think it is because access to a circus is canonically very limited, and this person wants to close off that access. And also, like with the with the pronoun thing, that's something we should talk about. I I don't think that's where this story is going. I'm just
1: saying, like the structure of it, like. This person already knew where this was going in the later half of the story versus like the guy updating or the person updating as it goes in the first two halves, and it's very split into like the middle part. Because, like, the story has very little to do with the I have a weird job thing.
0: That's the problem is that, like, it starts out being like a spooky, weird job story, like, ooh, something weird happened at my job type genre story, which was, like, Mm -hmm. this came out in 2018, I think, so that was, like, Mm -hmm. the big thing at the time. Weird jobs. Yeah, weird jobs. No sleep. But, like, Kurt could be anybody to this person. His, like, neighbor. In fact, the fact that Kurt is this person's boss makes me believe a lot less in, like, how invested Chris is in Kurt's well-being. Yeah. And, like, the author brings it up. Because, like, one, Kurt seems – Kurt does seem like a fucking asshole. Two, Kurt is your boss. Like, nobody cares about their boss this much. The author brings it up,
1: but it's very Band-Aid-like – Band-Aid logic. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. oops, I made this story about this. Here's a – here's a – throw a line don't even think about it now. Just keep going. <laughs> I think it's, like, disappointing because I think the topic of, like – this type of cleaning is really interesting. So it's a shame the story isn't more about that. Not necessarily like about that, but like using it less as like a a springboard and more like a thing to frame the story
0: around. And it's interesting because like the talking about being a hazmat cleaner gives such a strong opening. To the story, yeah. that is some of I think the strongest writing in the whole thing. Just talking about mm-hmm. like desensitization to death and all of like mm-hmm. all of that stuff is really interesting. But we just drop mm-hmm. all of it. Like, yeah, that, that's that's the problem with this bean soup in the way that it is. Is that like what I think Doba Bean is going for is like a sort of um, surreal story like wanting this to be something that feels very non-literal like yeah like dreamlike but the problem is that like if you want to write like a surreal story like this generally if you want it to be interesting or or resonant with people who read it good surreal stories either are like experiments of form that are engaging to your brain. Like, that's one of the things about Mother Horse Eyes that makes it so engaging. Other than the fact that it's, like, good at playing with its themes in, in interesting ways, it is a very interesting experiment of form in the way that it was originally posted and in the ways that it is formatted within those posts. Or the other way that you make your surreal story interesting or engaging is to have it be heavily grounded in emotion and metaphor. Mm-hmm. But if a bunch of shit just happens and it communicates <laughs> nothing in particular, the reader it's just, like, yeah, has it's no it's reason nothing. to engage with it other than like, oh, that happened. That was weird. There's more like wiggle room for
1: it when it's a visual thing. Like, the repetition of objects within this story would be fine. It would, like normally when people are like I wish this was a visual media it's like a big IRO like well it's the thing you're looking yeah. at right now so deal with that. <laughs> but like in you know, like a visual thing, you want repeating like motifs and like things you're seeing again because it's like less for the prop department it strengthens like visual language within <laughs> the thing you're watching and this has that quality cuz like the same three or four things are brought up again and again and it's like it reduces like the level of like surreality when it's like that but like increases like the visual language
0: this is a story that feels as though it is written to be looked at like if this were transformed Mm -hmm. into a script for a graphic novel or something yeah there is so much more leeway in visual media than there is in text you are able to communicate so much more by accident through like a whole visual composition where Mm -hmm. like if something is left out of text it is simply left out it is simply not yeah. there but there is so much more that you are forced to accidentally communicate through visual like if if something is left out of of like a like a Rothko painting it's <laughs> left out for a reason because Dependial. of the way yeah. that we interact with paintings as a whole
1: yeah and like you could obviously like analyze like the absence of in which we there, there's a there's like a legitimate thing to discuss here with that, but like in here it's just some there's the spaces between scenes, like concepts that don't connect on that note, if I was like an editor or like a producer or something, I'd call this <laughs> the suicide house. I would drop like the gimmicky clickbait like I was a cleaner. I was blah blah me, and my boss went to the blah, blah blah. It would be the suicide house and you'd post it. And I think in that way, there'd be like less to be critical about in the tone and like how it progresses because I also think like the presentation affects sort of like your expectations or whatever of like the story you're reading like if you're doing like a chummy like I'm a guy, here's my guy, g- guy gender neutral, here's my like title <laughs> like I'm really updating. Like well, that comes off weird when you're using words like lest and like wels <laughs> and whatever. But if you're calling it the suicide house, I'm like sure, yeah, I'm still down for uh, gothic creepy pasta. That's great.
0: <laughs> the title and the original concept of the story seem to be more in line with, like, a current trend at the time, mm-hmm. rather than what the story actually ends up being about. There's a real sense that, like, between each entry, the author completely changed her mind about what <laughs> the story was going to be about. That's kind of fun. I mean... <laughs> like, like, <laughs> what, like, like the doppelganger thing goes nowhere. Yeah. It, like it's 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 a thing just that's happens. introduced literally just to be like gross and scary and upsetting, but then like the doppelganger is immediately murdered. Oh, like, and I <laughs> think it's it's really dumb. <laughs> I think a lot of this the ter-
1: the fear like the the stuff we're supposed to be scared of works better visually. I'm not personally bought like I don't know. It's I think it's weird to say. Obviously, I would be bothered if this was happening to me. But it's like, <laughs> holes is like. A thing that is scarier
0: when you're looking at it, right? The description of like trypophobia related stuff is not as powerful as seeing it, and like she yeah. does do a good job of making it like sound gross and scary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does. Like the thing that makes it upsetting is seeing it. That's the thing that upsets people. Yeah, is looking at
1: yeah. It. This is very, like, visceral. Like, people are puking all over their place. There's, like, worms <laughs> and guts and stuff happening. It's cool. But, like, a lot of visual, there's, there's a lot of visual fear that's not necessarily dread.
0: Yeah, it is, it is a very, like, the fear is often really surface level. It's just, like, the fear of, like, mm-hmm. a gross thing happening to me.
1: Yeah. Although there is something, there's one scene I really like that had, like, a level of dread that's not, I think this person's really- I think this author, she's really good at, like, building a moment of dread up in certain places that's not, like, found elsewhere. I don't know how else to explain it. Like, when main character finds the shrine and there's, like, the extension of the shadow, like, that's really good. That's, like, a different kind of fear than the one I wanted to first talk about was, but, like, the tea scene where we're getting the exposition dump- and then, main character realizes they've been, like, drugged with worms.
0: Drugged? Yeah. Huh?
1: Yeah. Drugged, yeah. <laughs> that kind of dread was really good, and it's absent, like, the rest is, like, that kind of, like, drop-into-the-stomach huh? level of, like, fear, right?
0: It feels as though this is a horror story, by obligation, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like- the author wanted to write a dark fantasy story with, like, some cool lore and concepts, except she realized occasionally throughout the process that she's a horror writer who posts on No Sleep, so this had to still be valid to share there so it could reach its audience. This author's pretty prolific. During the, during the chase with the cow-wolf guy, so Chris runs into the portrait and is, like, suddenly mm-hmm. in the labyrinth. And, like, mm-hmm. this should be a really, like high octane horror moment this is supposed to be the payoff chase scene this should be like fast and dirty and scary yeah but like the anticipation like the horror of this scene is completely fucked up by the fact that she can't stop focusing on world building details in the (laughs) middle of this chase scene and it it totally undercuts the feeling of like oh this should be scary right now oh you're right that moment should not be there
1: What this should be is, like, splash text and, like, an opening of, like, a a game book, you know? (laughs) Like, you're flipping through the rules and this is, like, a paragraph and you're following the story along. This is what this feels like. If, like, Eve was, like, a tabletop game, this would be, like, the side story you're reading about
0: or whatever. I wish that there were more effort put towards developing the themes in the story, because like mm-hmm. there are so many themes that have like a head and just like go nowhere, Trailheading these themes and then just yeah. sort of like stopping. the 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 death and desensitization stuff. Like, yeah, it's a story about like like a boss who's like a fucking weird guy, it's employee exploitation stuff, toxic yeah. relationships like between Kurt and Evie. Um the mm-hmm. idea of like masculinity and gender with the way that like Chris is an intentionally gender ambiguous character and I can't be dissuaded from thinking otherwise yeah fantasy and escape it's it's interesting what is done with Chris as a character because like Chris could be any gender like the author goes out of her way and we haven't had this really before in any of the stuff that we have been reading. I think the only very even, exciting. like, gender-ambiguous narrator that we have had was maybe in, like, normal porn, right? hmm
1: Yeah, and it feels exciting in normal porn to be, like, this person is, like, I think normal porn leads, like, if you read it as she, the, this person is a girl that opens up your your understanding of the internet more, it's, Less of like the cliche of a gross like guy person or whatever, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> it is impressive to be able to maintain that ambiguity for so long. It just mm-hmm. ends up being a thing where, like, well, what does that mean? What does that mean in the story that this character is pretty much anonymous? I think a major like source of like
1: what is scary about the story is Chris's relationship to like a violence against their body and it's mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff feels like sexual in nature without being outright like like Chris gets parasited and it's like these giant hentai tentacle things <laughs> happening to think also
0: they get roofied with the fucking parasites they get roofied with hentai tentacles by their boss who's described as like a huge hulking man a massive like... person and like and and the guardian is also like a giant and yeah masculine yeah like explicitly this person who who self describes as being hobbitish being surrounded by huge vaguely sexually threatening violent men
1: and like there's a there's a line where like Kurt like tosses Chris to a couch right and then like and everything with the guardian we get like their lips are always like on this person, like, their wrists, like, there's the way they describe, like, the kiss scene is totally, like, completely alien and, like, invasive to the body, like, just, like, wet over their face, right?
0: Yeah, like, there is a very sensual aspect to this, and that is part of the horror, and it's Mm -hmm. interesting, however you read Chris's gender, like, the implications that that creates, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is this sort of a narrative about a man, arguably a queer-coded man, dealing with his relationship to other men in the form of violence? Like, that craving for homosocial closeness that then is punished by borderline sexualized violence? Or Is this a story about a woman navigating her relationship to masculinity and to men as a class as, like, an almost existential threat? Going in and reading it, like,
1: as you're reading it from, like, a guy point of view, this becomes sort of, like, horror in, like, a
0: a homoerotic, like, violence sort of way, right? Like, the the description of the Guardian, if you were reading, like, some kind of homoerotic desire into this person's interactions with the Guardian...
1: Yeah, it becomes sort of, like, forbidden, and, like, the interactions become, like, a stand-in for, like, things this person can't have, right?
0: In Mm -hmm. a society. Yeah, because this person craves fantasy, and Chris only says, like, oh, this was all a mistake, I don't want this adventure anymore, after being, like, infected with worms, Yeah. Which, like, we can read into something about that if this person is meant to be read as, like, a queer man, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's cool, like, this part is sort of, like, the part that we get to, like, twist all about, right? When this sort of thing
0: is important, there's a lot to, like, look at in those scenes. I just feel like she wanted to write, like, a dark, gothic, spooky romance I feel like there were two separate ideas, like, she wanted to write, like, a gross, visceral horror story with, like, a bunch of crazy <laughs> cuckoo shit happening, and also she wanted to write this, like, world-building heavy, like, her, like, she's hand-pilling Redditors into reading her interspecies <laughs> fantasy yaoi by having, like, bugs and larvae grow in her protagonist's stomach.
1: You know what? G- good for her. I <laughs> respect the ambition. I respect... <laughs> Worms of assortment larvae.
0: I. I think I think the feeling also of the guardian being a romantic figure comes from just just the physical also, yeah. description of him, right? Like yeah. he's tall. He's ethereally beautiful, pale with this long flowing white hair. He's yeah, he's ethereally unspeakably beautiful in a way that's like entrancing and horrifying like she's describing him like a vampire. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or like, what's his face from the labyrinth? Like, there's like that combo.
0: <laughs> he is Jerethy a little.
1: That along with like the role this thing he has in the story, like he's keeping Evie yeah. he as like a pet and you have to go like sacrifice yourself to go main character Chan is like already invested moment one like they want in that pyramid right it's like soulmate bound like twisted
0: fantasy lover kind of thing (laughs) but also like I feel like she does not portray very well that Chris is like super excited for this adventure other than telling us like oh and I was really excited about it And I'm open to the idea of Chris just, like, being an unreliable narrator in this moment or lying to us or lying to themselves, but the way it comes off is more, like, it feels like sloppy writing. Like, this was just, like, a mistake.
1: There's a lot, like, when people say show, don't tell, this is, like, what people, this is, like, the (laughs) thing people mean. Not whatever, like, nonsense people say (laughs) elsewhere. It's like, we are told about the circus from a character who we know lies, who who has drugged the main character, who's, like, duplicit and stuff. Like, that's not a way to deliver this information. This information (laughs) is something we should be discovering. We should be going with the main character to discover certain aspects of the story that doesn't happen in the way it happens. We are told, like, they want an adventure. We should be shown this through, like
0: actions that have further consequences yeah they're they're like investigation and then like digging into it because like throughout they will be like i i'm so excited about this and then they Mm -hmm. will not actively explore until kurt is around right yeah a line that stuck out to me really badly that i was like what the fuck are you talking about was um (laughs) i have no way to explore this new world if kurt dies What are you talking about? Yes, you do. It would be easy. Just Just go without him. Yeah, you've already done this. Even if you're scared, find a co-worker or a friend you trust and bring them. Are there no other workers in this thing? Like, Kurt is, at this point in the story, like, an active liar. Dangerous. He's made multiple threats of violence and covered up the death of his wife. And Chris knows this.
1: Kurt would work better as, like, a figure who is, like, in a relationship with the main character because otherwise it's just silly.
0: Like Yeah, that's how it comes off is that, like, the main character has some kind of feelings for this guy otherwise why are you forgiving him for acting like this? Like, why are you just brushing over these extreme fucking red flags? Yeah, like, and we're not given a reason like,
1: let's stretch together. Maybe (laughs) what we're supposed to get is that like, Kurt gave Main character like a chance with this job, so now they have like this like like mentor apprentice bond going on, and they're like <laughs> this person has given me like my livelihood now after my other like life didn't work out, and this is like a rock bottom situ- situation instead of like a field that people go into because they're really passionate about.
0: Well, Wednesday, that's headcanon. The- <laughs> That's you making stuff up to justify why the story is written like soup. Uh, uh, OP, I am building you uh, a sturdy stock. I'm, like, adding <laughs> potatoes and, like, flour to this a- ditch. <laughs> you are advocating for Dopa Bean better than her lawyer would. I'm on your side.
1: <laughs> all, I
0: want to know how this happened. if we had a better sense of the closeness between the narrator and kurt like if we saw more scenes of them together that weren't just related to plot stuff or if if they exposited a little more about something like that like oh yeah i you know fucked my education up like i had a really bad time at a certain point i escaped into my unhealthy fantasies and Mm -hmm. i was really struggling yeah tied stuff together And he's like a family friend who gave me this job or something. Or if he was a romantic partner, and the revelations about Evie suddenly become really fucking sinister and really fucking scary that this person had a wife in the attic that you didn't know about.
1: Yeah, that'd be good. I feel like that would sometimes when you wanna do like a a, like a, a visual experimental thing, the Bones you put down need to just be simple bones, like a cartoon skeleton. You don't need to do a lot of <laughs> extreme stuff when you want to do experimental things. Like some of the stuff is like a higher shelf concept on top of like fantasy stuff, and mm-hmm. they don't fit in a way that's good.
0: And like the reason it sucks so bad is that, like I like a lot of these elements independent yeah. of each other. Yeah, like, there's a I lot do of too. stuff here that would be good. Like. If this was a soup, this was a soup that you put the, the starting ingredients for five different mm-hmm. kinds of soup in here. These things no longer yeah. go together. This is a bad soup. It's like that weird, like, beef stew
1: you get in, like, a can that tastes <laughs> like no beef stew has ever tasted in, like, the history, the human history of making stew from scratch.
0: That's what the story is. <laughs> Because, like, every time I reread this, when I start at the very beginning, I forget that the rest of it is, like, the way that it is. Because I that's get that's pulled in by that early writing. Because And I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe I was, like, being really harsh. Maybe I was remembering wrong that this is not good because this is really good. And then it gets stupid. Okay, even, like, the,
1: the, the soupier, the, the most soup that's ever soft when <laughs> and the story is happening. There's an element of it that I do like. It's sort of like the, like an explosion climax sort of thing where just like everything is happening ever. Like <laughs> a, a maximum stimuli. I'm thinking like Guilty Crown. I'm thinking I had another example <laughs> in mind but I can't. Like that
0: kind of thing. I'm Gu- really Guilty Crown it. does have the same energy honestly. And I do yeah. love Guilty Crown. <laughs> Yeah, I'm into that kind of thing. Even if it's like, despite myself,
1: even if like a lot of the elements are disjointed, like just like letting it all out, like a oh, oh, big old thing. Like I like that. I'm thinking anywhere between Holy Mountain and Guilty Crown
0: is what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Smack dab in the middle there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> understandable choice. Where, where Guilty Crown is like re- represents like the literal end of the spectrum, and Holy Mountain represents the. Whatever, <laughs> end of the spectrum. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, I guess. We're really comparable stores. Um. <laughs> Me and that guy,
1: and maybe like five other people, understand what's ha- happening in Holy Mountain.
0: I understand. <laughs> in general, I feel like the character writing is the weakest part of the entire mm. thing. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like the characters exist just to be like, tools that take you from one plot point to another, or, or tools that thread one concept to another. Like, Kurt is three different people, depending on mm-hmm. what the author needs him to be at the time. And, and yeah. a similar thing with Chris, like, Chris actively contradicts themselves in a way that does not seem to be intentionally ironic, you know? Yeah, it makes just
1: Chris a really stupid character.
0: <laughs> yeah, Chris just comes off real
1: stupid. If a lady, if you work this sort of field, and a lady across the street comes over and is like, Hey, what you doing? And like, your gut reaction is to like, be suspicious of your boss. Like, I think there's like, a few alarming steps. Like one, why you already suspicious of Kurt to this thing probably happens like all the time and like we do get the lines (laughs) of like i just say the company lines and stuff but like why would your thoughts go to that like obviously just caught this woman in a lie would be where i would go like of course she's supposed to say oh my neighbor's a guy i see him all the time like oh well she was just being nosy and lied to me that's it like (laughs) there's a big jump in
0: logic that i don't that i'm not leaping with chris does not do enough like Investigating mm-hmm. for being the type of character that they are in this story. Chris is just like <laughs> led around by the nose from plot point to plot point. He hears the thing about the neighbor who's a man and does not press this woman at all about it. Very it's strange.
1: It's very passive in a story that, like, it would change the entire thing we are reading, right? But, like, it needed that. Like, if, if if the author wants like revisit this ever, like that would be, cool. would be a totally different story. And like the but the components are there to like reassemble it. I clicked through
0: to Dopea Beans like actual um, yeah, they, like Reddit.
1: She like, a lot, right?
0: Account stuff to um. I I don't know if it was this one or if it was another one, but I have suspicions that it was this one. That apparently like there were talks of doing some kind of book deal for one of her no sleeps that ended up being stalled out because there were some like, basically like someone plagiarized her work. Oh my god, that's awful! And it ended up stalling out the deal, but she was like, "Yeah, I'm not really burned up about it. That you know, that kind of thing is going to happen, and it's never yeah. happened to me otherwise." I'm I'm assuming that it was this because this one has such a Most vibe of like, yeah. like YA or like a new adult fantasy mm-hmm. kind of thing, and the writing is frankly better than darker shades of magic, which I yeah. couldn't fucking finish. Listen. Nothing that is not a problem with this is this is
1: very well written it's like yeah nonsense but like it's, <laughs> it's very well written
0: nonsense the prose is pretty strong like again like better than most of the sort of like new adult that i've tried to dabble with mm-hmm. which mostly fucking sucks like <laughs> very evocative feeling like someone who likes writing prose but yeah. needs a structural editor
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's what gives it a feeling of, like, a Stephen King or a Clive Barker, because, like, their editors let them do fuck-all, but they understand,
0: like, structures of sentences and, like, ways to, like, move a paragraph. The thing about Stephen King is I don't know if he loves stories. He loves prose. Yeah, this is a very loves prose sort of thing. I don't know if, if he has the same passion for telling a complete story from beginning to end and expressing themes and ideas. I think that man loves words. I feel like in the same camp I'm not necessarily certain
1: I, I don't I don't like like Clive Barker is not very good at telling a complete story. he is very good <laughs> at making entries into world building.
0: <laughs> yeah, the world building here also feels really sharp they're really cool ideas. I want to be in this world. I want to explore it more. I want to have a plot that is actually set in this world and matters. Yeah, it's cool. Like, again, it does feel like an introduction
1: to, like, a, a game book or, like, it feels like the in-between between loving prose and loving world building, but not the, yeah. these components don't necessarily make a story.
0: Yeah, and that's a problem that, like, comes up in like writing spaces a lot that mm-hmm. I am in where mm-hmm. people don't realize that you don't have to write a novel if you don't want to write a novel you don't even have to write a short story. you can just write world building. That's becoming yeah. the thing that is more accessible now than ever and more popular with people is just like creating world guides and exchanging them with people. People really like reading those. Yeah, not me so like, much. Like- I like stories, but like a lot of people really like reading those. I like reading those.
1: You can like just put up your entire like art book, like you can get those things published now really easy. And like there's tons of that stuff like that's out there that wasn't out there like 10, 20 years ago, right? Like yeah, before you had to be like an acclaimed like already established person to get that going, but now you can just do it.
0: Yeah, or, like, even if you don't get, like, published-published, you can always publish online, and your thing might take off at any moment.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you can get on Itch.io and, like, uh, slam your entire thing in a PDF. And there are so many, like, micro-publishers now that are really accessible. Before, it was, like, you had to be, like, like, rising Aries when the right zine comes
0: across your, like, con desk or whatever. (laughs) It's, like we could not have had like mystery flesh pit right that would not yeah. have been
1: you would never know about it <laughs> or like what scp like what most people have as is like the the massiveness of like the database is like oh, there are like role play stories and like connective tissues but like how many people actually care about good that? lord
0: are there <laughs> uh, yeah. oh man like, I don't understand like SCP roleplay <laughs> stuff. Like I like, good for you if you do. I don't really understand <laughs> it. There's some guy named Clef or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah. What most people like about it is the standalone nature of each thing expanding <laughs> the universe is world building. Like and I guess it's like human nature to try to connect stories to things, but some things are just stronger as world building.
0: Well I mean like if you want to create a story, personally, I will always find something that is like written as a story to be stronger than a world building project because mm-hmm. that's not something that I'm personally interested in so like if someone wants to tell stories and tell narratives I guess mm-hmm. like yeah. if, if you want narrative I do encourage you like even if you feel like 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 the thing is, if you want narrative, you have to sacrifice some of your world building. you have exactly. to kill some of your darlings. If you don't want to kill your darlings, do a world building project. If you want narrative, kill your darlings. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like that's where people get like like confused. I don't know if confused is the right word for that, but like people aren't ever going to be as interested in your world building if you're doing a narrative thing because the narrative thing is the most important part, and there's a lot of like under things that have to exist in order for, like, the structure of a narrative to be sound, versus, like, a world where you can basically do fuck all.
0: It's like, the other thing that I found myself comparing this to as I was reading it was Childhood House, right? Oh, yeah. Because it has has the same basic structure of, like, investigating this, like, impossible and dangerous space within a home and having this fever to know more. I mean, in, like, also, House of Leaves, but I wasn't really yeah. thinking about House yeah, of Leaves yeah, yeah, because yeah. Like, House of Leaves is such a totally different like yeah, genre from from this. Like, it's, a, it's such a totally different vibe because these are both more like fantasy ish.
1: Yeah, yeah. It when Childhood Home, every component of Childhood Home feeds into one another.
0: Yeah, there's there's not a lot of loose threads in Childhood Home that you can pull on that like makes the thing unravel. It's very tight because the character. Is sort of the central focus of the story, and all of the themes of the story center around this character. There's a purpose for him being the main character. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by like a
1: simple skeleton. Fantasy elements that get into like the metaphysical and the surreal and like the abstract, unless you have a really, really strong concept, like the simpler the connections, the better, because that gives you more space to be more abstract, right?
0: A lot of people say don't go into your story with, like, themes and stuff in mind. And I say. completely disagree. You don't need to necessarily develop your themes totally in the concept stage. But, like... Are you sure have an idea of where you're going. I think if you want to tell a story that's compelling and not just, like, you know, slop, you need to think about, like, okay, what does the story mean? Where am I going with this, ultimately?
1: Yeah, like... There's a class of, like, literature that is very, like, themeless and sort of, like, day-to-day life, and if that's what you're going for, that's fine,
0: that's not necessarily what people are going for at all. They normally expect themes to, like... Well, no, I mean, like, if if someone is writing Slice of Life and not writing, yeah. like, thematic narrative yeah, work, yeah. that's obviously different, and I wouldn't say, like, yeah. oh, no, no you no, do no, need yeah. to have themes if you're just writing, like, no, a diary. No, yeah, I was,
1: I was, yeah, I wasn't necessarily thinking Slice of Life, I was thinking of, like, like that's different. That's a different beast. But like people in this sort of like world-building novel aspiration spaces are in spaces that demand themes,
0: require themes for like coherency. Like generally, good stories have ideas in them. Yeah, and that's all a theme is: is an idea that is being mm-hmm. explored and expanded upon. In the work. Yeah. Like what is this story
1: saying? Like what does this mean? I guess, okay, there is power in absurdist work, right? Things don't necessarily have to mean something. But this needs to mean something.
0: <laughs> this isn't the same quality of absurdism. I mean, work. like even even in absurdist work, the yeah. point of absurdism is inherently a meaning. And the meaning yeah, is life is absurd. This thing is absurd. That's- yeah, this like, doesn't hit that, is what
1: I'm saying. The internal work you do when you read reading an absurdist work is not happening when I'm reading the story, when I'm reading the story is not that emotion.
0: Yeah, when I'm reading the story I'm thinking, what? <laughs> That's a cool idea! What does that have to do with the last paragraph?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both strongly feel things about like doors and use of doors and like stuff. Mm. And they use just doors really coolly, but it's like everything else in the story where it's just sort of like now here's a different concept. But like, <laughs> I thought that that was cool. I think the con- circus is cool as a concept. I think this what this really wanted me to wanted to make me go do is start fabricating things more often. Like I was like oh I need to go <laughs> make props. <laughs>
0: Because of the taxidermy. Yeah. You know. You know what I'm about. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, I know you think taxidermy is cool. I think taxidermy is cool. Even, like, like, like fake taxidermy.
1: I like the taxidermy bodies that move. Like, that was really cool. I like that they're scary. Like, that was, like, a little scary and stuff. Like, Like, not necessarily for me, but I can see where that would be scary for some people. (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't know.
0: I like the it's. Door it's very scene like you know the mannequins move when your back is turned. Yeah,
1: deep. yeah. It's classic. There's sort of like a a, a f- like a red light, green light situation happening where like they're running out and like they just catch the taxidermy frozen as though they were about to block the door and just like they said that was cool. That was fun. There's little fun ideas in the story.
0: Yeah, like, the the idea of this thing is finally, like, breaking its containment, it's spiraling out of control, and, like, it's, it's growing throughout the house. Like, there's interesting visuals here. I think one of the other things that might have inspired this would be Southern Reach. I feel like there is a little bit of the bones of that, like, the idea of, like, you know, doppelgangers.
1: An explosion of everything. Like the outpouring of hey, hand to God, I'm going to read the books. I've always seen the movie, but has a very similar like.
0: I mean, I kind of wonder if dopamine has primarily seen the movie at this point rather than read the books, because like there's, I, I feel like there's in the movie there is more of an emphasis on doppelgangers and duplication, and the book has more, or the books have more of an emphasis. On like the the internal processes mm. of change. Mm. Oh, that's cool. I need to read them. Oh, because they're so fucking good. Oh my god, the fourth one is coming out soon. Oh my god, oh, my god. I'm like I, I I saw like a like an excerpt of it the other oh, day. God. I got really fucking excited. That's so exciting. That's
1: a that's a good time for me to read it then because then I'll be like all caught up and ready for the fresh one. I won't even have to wait. Yeah, yeah. finesse. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love waiting and then not having to wait. It's my favorite thing in the
0: world. <laughs> I mean, you are waiting. You're just waiting in the opposite direction.
1: I like I like when there's a lot of stuff that I can just cram in one go and not interrupt the flow of what I'm doing.
0: I mean, I, I also do that. I don't like getting things piece bit by off. bit. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with books, it's different because, like, a book can take you a while to, to get through and you have more stuff to think about. But like with a fucking T V show, girl, I'm not watching oh, yeah. that episode by <laughs> episode. I don't know how people do it it's so hard. Except what I am, because I've been doing that this season with the uh, with the anime and uh-huh, stuff. Uh-huh, like uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh. I don't know why. I never do that. Yeah. It's we've both time. been we've it's been keeping right. up with my happy marriage this season. It's very cute.
1: It is really cool. I ended up going to go read the manga because I couldn't wait, actually, so I came and, like, <laughs> cough to wait. being on the wait. <laughs> I got to the end of where it ends, and, like, the rest continues in, like, a light novel, and that's where my cutoff line was. I was like, I don't think I have it in me to do that.
0: <laughs> I, can, I can wait. I, I tried reading a light novel for the first time the other day, and I was like... <gasps> Oh, no. <laughs> oh, is this, is this why I see kids writing like this now all the time? Yeah. They're not reading they're not, books. They're reading these, and they're learning these terrible writing strategies. Oh, no. <sighs> well, it's not like every
1: light novel is like that, but in the way that there's, like, you know, like, a, oh, <laughs> there's, there's certain YA that's just YA. It's, this is, like, this is, like, the city of... Amber and fire core <laughs> or whatever is what a lot of light novels are. <laughs> I just, I can't do it.
0: I mean, City of Amber is middle grade and it's not bad. That's what, that's like, that's like the general, like, oh. <laughs> I know, I know that. you were making jokes about, yeah. about the naming conventions, but like, but yeah. City of Amber did, I think, predate a lot of that stuff, like, really far. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. L- a thing
1: with light novels is they're often aimed at like middle grade, but like they extend upward, so mm-hmm. so it's like there's less oversight, I guess, than if it was like <laughs> like, like older writing. Not nece- that's a- that's also not necessarily true, but you know,
0: <laughs> it's fully like Wattpad writing.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's really <laughs> it's not just- good. W- Wattpad for people who are of the age where you like cut your teeth on watt Pad or whatever
0: <laughs> i i can't i'm not that desperate yet <laughs> <laughs> like the show's coming out it'll be
1: yeah fine. it's fine yeah it's it's been adapted so far in a really interesting way so cool i'm happy with that
0: it's, it's very pretty like to it's like just to look at like it's a quiet little show it might be a surprise given like you know how much I am talking about horror but my favorite book is mm-hmm. Pride and Prejudice and I have a similar yeah, sort it's of very... feeling about like it's like if Pride and Prejudice was about Jane is sort of the feeling that I get about it and also if she was Cinderella yeah. <laughs> that's my recommendation for my <laughs> happy marriage if anybody wants to watch it the thing that
1: caught my brain, besides the setup, which I really like, obviously, I like when people retell folk tales and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's that thing that happens, like, elegant in how it just drops this, like, a massive world building thing. It's like, oh, yeah, and this is <laughs> happening too,
0: constantly throughout. You're like, oh, okay. I, I want to know more more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, when you're first introduced to the show, you just think that it's like a historical period drama but no there's magic (laughs) they just the author just like drops
1: like this intense magic system and like this history and like violence and you're like huh 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 Huh?" it's like and and i want to
0: know more yeah so that's 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 our anime recommendation for the episode I feel like crime scenes and hoarder houses overall gets like a 6 out of 10 for me. Like for all that I've been bitching about it. Like it's still a 6 out of 10 for me.
1: (laughs) We wouldn't talk about it the way we're talking about it if we didn't care about it. We'd be talking about it differently.
0: We would not be like angry. We would be clowning. Yeah. We're angry because we like it. Yeah. Like there's no reason to get frustrated with something that is... Unless something is either offensive mm-hmm. or has genuine good points that it are, like, fucked up by bad writing. Those are the two yeah. reasons to get, like, legit frustrated with a piece of writing. Yeah. And this is the latter. Or I guess there's a third reason, and it's salt. Like, if something is bad and also popular, like, I guess that's a fair enough reason to be mad at it. But really, what you're mad at is the audience rather than the piece itself in that case, I think.
1: This is still a pretty good read. It's one of those things you need to sit with, cause it just, cause it does just sort of like, you know, go. But oh, like... yeah,
0: just it just oozes off your brain like it's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily like want to go reread it right away, but I feel like it's one of those that I could go reread. There's someone, like, oh fuck, I just read this a decade ago. I don't want to read this again.
0: <laughs> yeah, li- um, the the one that we're. Reading next, I think is is exactly that for you. I told, and and like that for me as well. Like I've I read it more recently than you, but I am like fucking not anticipating it. Like I am I am uh, sort of in agony about the fact that we have to do this one.
1: We're gonna be so brave and so strong, and we're gonna do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I guess just in general, like a a, one, one more complaint for the road. Um, the story's pacing is like whack. Yeah, it's which which
1: goes into the it feeling very like pantsed and stuff. Is
0: there like a real yeah. term for that? Do we, no, like a, yeah, people uh, just say pantsed.
1: Yeah, there's a note when they're learning about circuses that feels fairly like reminiscent of like other series. There's like like stuff. I was like, oh, that kind of feels like Mother Horse Eyes. There's a part where like we exist in sort of like the non-fantastical universe because it's what we need to live and how yeah. we perceive things. It's sort of like the adoption, like creating bodies, standing anywhere between Mother Horse Eyes or like certain parts of Homestuck or Awful Hospital. How very sort of like...
0: Yeah, like that, that's a very Awful Hospital kind of note. Like
1: yeah. there's like
0: a, like a particularly mundane, like the, like the gray... I fucking haven't read Awful Hospital in a really long time, but, like, yeah, like, that there is, like, a, like, a realm, and that is where human consciousness has to dwell because, mm-hmm. like, that is the requirement for humanity to exist is mundanity, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a weird take, I, I think, in general. Yeah. Like, that's an interesting thing. Like, why do we consider humanity to be Inherently mundane. I guess if we're we're saying it to contrast it with an expanded universe that we cannot perceive, right? Yeah. It's very, like, Western postmodern, you know? It's a strange idea, especially when you get into, like, the fact that these agoras, these circuses, can only be opened by human suffering, and really mm-hmm. in particular, child sacrifice by yeah. rich people. Which is, you know, in a post-QAnon <laughs> world, always oh, makes no. me raise my eyebrows yeah. a little bit. Like, yeah. hmm, Interesting that this, this is the plot like... point that you chose. I'm pretty sure Dopo yeah. Bean is normal. I'm sure she didn't mean anything by no, it. Yeah. That's just something that is deep in our culture.
1: Yeah, yeah. So see, it exists in our culture in this very similar way of, like, fantasy and magic is, like, opposite outside us and has to be brought in through like an outside force that's like also alien to a lot of people which is wealth and violence and then it gets like you know like other people take advantage of that thing that exists in our culture to create like conspiracy
0: theories and stuff which like that is also a, a very particular cultural idea that i think a lot of people take for granted the idea of humanity as inherently separated from the extraordinary right mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's uh, it's really like baked in cultural and that doesn't exist like in every single place that has like written culture and stuff it's sort of like yeah. a north american staple of uh, certain kind of North
0: Americans, you know? Well, not just North Americans, but, or like, Western I, I feel canons. like it's, it's got a, yeah, like, a Euro-Christian kind of idea as well in general. Yeah. Because it is sort of an idea that springs, I think, out of the the need to contend with the Enlightenment period. That's true, yeah. Like, the idea that, like, We can measure the world by rational scientific principles. So, if you want to have fantasy that interacts with what we consider the real world, you have to come up with some kind of logical explanation for why we seem to be impervious to Mm -hmm. this magical version of reality.
1: I think, too, I think that's, I think it's like sort of a reason why people like separate concepts and history of like. And they're always, like, stunned and awed that these exist, like, simultaneously. Like, the (laughs) Enlightenment period and, like, progression of science, like, also coexisted with, like, spiritual movements, you know? Like, and these people weren't, like, stupid or anything. They thought there was, like, scientific value in exploring these things. But, like, in the present time, people often frame these things as, like, stupid.
0: Yeah, there's a very, like, black and white one or the other view of history mm-hmm. i guess like largely because of at, at least in the u.s because of like the modern evangelical movement mm-hmm. has used this as sort of its political platform yeah, yeah. That that's kind of what i meant by that earlier. science is in opposition to religion and therefore like uh, satanic in order to show up like political power
1: and a lot of people don't like even if you're not like super like consciously aware of a lot of people have that like uh, like subconscious bias when they're creating stories like this not saying this author obviously but, like this is also
0: like a part of it no yeah I mean because this idea is one that shows up over and over like even in something like in DD right humans mm-hmm. are the default species they're the all mm-hmm. trades species yeah it's
1: Dull and
0: silly world building. <laughs> you know that—that's one of the fun things about Dungeon Meshi, right? Is that like, <laughs> yeah, humans are tall men and they have traits about them compared yeah. to other creatures in the world. Like, there is no default, which is a great stance to take. It is—it's it, so good. You should read it if you haven't. It's going to update this month. Well, it'll be last month by the time this gets posted. Oh, true. Well, you should have read it by now. <laughs> that's our other recommendation though for this then you'll then you'll have two updates <laughs> our other recommendation for this for this episode is uh is read dungeon meshy good god read dungeon meshy do it yeah don't wait it, for the it, anime it, to come out read it now no,
1: read it now they, i'm worried about the anime i the, the style really they went into a little bit oh it's, it's gonna be good because it's gonna be Good, but I kind of wish they had gone for like a style. Well, okay, style. you
0: you say that, but like Promise Neverland happened.
1: Oh no, you're right. Oh jeez, I'm worried. I'm. I'm I am worried i i do not think it's going to be that bad. <laughs> I think it's not going to be as like visually stunning as the as the comic, mm. which is a shame because she has a very loose, like watercolory style that would have suited the animation better. But they're not going with that, and that's what is worrying me. <laughs> I mean, because it was probably cheaper to not do that. Yeah, which is like, oh, if their cutting costs are ready, like, what else are they going to, like, trim, you know?
0: You know what? If they spend less time in the animation booth and they still get the thing done and it still looks good and it's still funny, like, yeah, whatever, That's fine. It, it does have a really cool sort of, like, um... I don't, I don't it, need every show to be Mob Psycho. I guess. It could be. <laughs> It could have been, though.
1: Um, it does have a really cool, like, in the early O.O.s, there's a lot of, like, a knockoff, I'm in the dungeon RPG fantasy anime. And that's what it kind of looks like <laughs> to me. So that's kind of cool.
0: Sort of the opposite of that is, like, the the sort of Tumblr trend of, like, humans are space orcs, which I also fucking hate.
1: Yeah, it's stupid. Like, some of <laughs> like so funny, but people go, people take an ID and, like, ram into the ground as hard as possible.
0: People are just really annoying about it. Like, the idea of of defamiliarizing humanity from an alien perspective is valuable. I think (laughs) that's a good thing to do. I think (laughs) the way that people do it is dumb.
1: Yeah, It it requires an amount of thought. And if you're doing just sort of, like, the space orcs thing, you're not putting the thought into it. I think the tone of it
0: is the way that, like, people do it to almost, like... Valorize humanity In a way that strikes me as Real fucking weird Like yeah. the idea that like of course Aliens who are just meeting humans For the first time would be completely Stunned and blown away And confused <laughs> by our, yeah. our uh, Incredible tenacity Or our ability to see And smell and touch Human propaganda Or one that I see a lot is the idea that it's an inherent And unique human trait to Pack bond and be pro-social outside the bonds of your species, which I find kind of eye-rolling, like the sort of love is what makes this human take, which sucks. Like, humans don't have a monopoly on the ability to love, and there's plenty of people who never experience, like, romantic love. Emotions are not inherent to humanity. It's very strange. <laughs> yes, strange. Like, again, cool world-building concept. You're You're making, like, an alien that is supposed to be... Very different from humanity, and setting them as the perspective characters. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that concept. But the fact that you did this as an exercise to be like to show how super special humans and people are. at the end of the day are people. Like shut yeah, up. <laughs> fuck off. Yeah it's, weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pointless. You've made it a uh, pointless exercise. It is. It's self congratulatory tautology bullshit, and I fucking hate yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Same. Workers of the world, unionize! I think that's a, if Chris wasn't a union, this shit would be happening.
0: <laughs> My version of crime scenes and hoarder houses, <laughs> where fucking it's, it's, g- g- Chris is calling up the fucking <laughs> union <laughs> representative, <laughs> being like, "Hey, man, um, what's our policy on interdimensional travel, like?" <laughs> Like, am I getting paid overtime for this? That, that one's free. I didn't take that. You ha- you <laughs> t- you can, if you take it,
1: you need to email us it, about it so we can read it. If you get that one for free.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like we're going to wrap it up there for tonight. What do you think of crime scenes in hoarder houses? Leave us a comment, send us an email, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. If you liked the show, go ahead and leave a like or review, rate us, and share us with your friends. On our next episode, we will be reading part two of The Showers. This has been the Creepypasta Book Club. Thank you, and good night.